It's happening. It's real. It's happening. Let's do it. Get jiggy with it. Yeah. This is hysterical history. A comedy first, history second podcast. Kind of mishmash. It's like the vinegar oil combination. It's like a splish splash. I was taking a bath. There's history in there. There's comedy in there. It's all mixed up. It's the monster mash. Dirt, grime, whatever. Whatever. We got some soap, wash off. Yeah. Yeah. Clean your brain of all the stress of the day. and Just have a, a, a rot old giggle. Ha ha. Ha ha. Oh no. <laughs> I'm Alexis. And I'm Haley. And this is going to be a President's Day special. Yay! It was just President's Day, or it is President's Day, depending on when I put it up. Yeah, in, in America. Yeah. So this one might be a day early. You're welcome. Or it's a regular day. You're still welcome. You're welcome. And I'm going to talk about one American president and one not American president. Fair. Uh, even though the U.S. President's Day is not about other presidents. It can be about whoever we want it to be. But I want it to be about not. Guess what? It's not real. Uh, but uh, the first guy we're going to talk about, you may have heard of him, William Henry Harrison. I've heard the name before. Senior. When we list names of presidents, I've definitely said his name. It, it like, sounds familiar. Yeah. Yeah. He, uh, he has three first names, though. I feel like Harrison can be a first Harrison. name. Yeah, like Harrison Ford. Yeah, so uh, he's a murderer and I don't trust him. He's probably a murderer. I mean, it's fair. He was born in 1773. Mm. He was the last American president to be born a British subject. Yeah, before uh, Decoration. Mm-hmm. Nice. Uh, and he died in 1841, famously, in Famous fact. boy. And we're going to talk about that. <laughs> uh, he, he died uh, perhaps of... Pneumonia. Mm-hmm. That's what uh, I've heard. About 30 days into his term. A month? Yeah, less than a month. Well, he, it, when did he die? Like in uh, March? No, April. I just said April. How many days does April have? 30. <laughs> 30. Okay, so he died uh, like like the midnight of a month. You guys couldn't see that, but I was doing, <laughs> doing, I was the, doing knuckle. the knuckles thing. Doing the knuckle 31, count. 31, not 31. 31, not 31. But that is the shortest term served by any American president. Grats. So far. <laughs> <laughs> I like that you say that, like, one could happen very soon, uh, even though, like, with our current president, it could not. The current one is already disqualified. But you know what? Maybe next round we can have a 20-dayer. Hey, you know what? <laughs> There's always a chance. There's always hope. <laughs> we can for an even shorter presidency. Uh, because he was, if we elect Bernie Sanders, maybe. <laughs> no offense. Just because he's old. Just because he's really he's old. He's really old. It's like it was. That's how I felt like when McCain like, was. When it was like McCain yeah. and Sarah Palin, and then it was like Barack Obama and Joe Biden. And I was like, I mean, somebody's going to shoot the black guy. And <laughs> right. then, like, the other guy's so old. What What are we, who's the next, like, the Secretary of State or the something, someone in the House? I don't know. Uh, it's the Speaker of the House. There is the go. next after the Vice President. But then I, that's why I was like, really, we're voting for Vice President here, friends. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, luckily, Barack Obama did not get shot. That was nice. That was and, great. Um, Highlight of And John McCain didn't die until recently. He would have, though, if he was president. Oh, definitely. There's so much stress. The strain? No, he would have It died. ages people like it's in fast forward. And then Sarah Palin would have been our first female president. And she was not meant to do that role. 
<laughs> Haley's from Alaska. She knows all about Sarah Palin. Yeah. Yeah, I know exactly. Because she, is this like the time for Sarah Palin talk? I mean, I think so. We can talk about it. Sure. Like, uh, so the, uh, like the major senators and governors of Alaska, at least like recently, have been like hugely corrupt and like in the pocket of big oil. Mm-hmm. And they just like last forever in, you know, the part parliament i'm thinking of the episode (laughs) it's not parliament it's congress as people do as people do and like it's not surprising generally people vote back in incumbents uh and like you just don't get like a whole lot of new people in alaska because it's very low population right but sarah palin was because people didn't want someone corrupt they wanted someone who was outside government Mm -hmm. who wouldn't steal millions of dollars from them and so it's like she wasn't Elected because she was like super Good sharp government. Government. It's like the opposite of that. She's like she's too soft. Pretty, pretty benign, but like okay intentions. Yeah. Uh, but she was not meant to be vice president. <laughs> like that also, is not the role for her. No offense to Alaska, but I feel like if you're in the government in Alaska, it's not the same as like um, the rest of America. No. You know, like I feel like you have to be from a decently sized state in order for me to be like, okay, you could be president or vice president. Right. Like just governing the state of Alaska is like being a mayor. Yeah. Of somewhere else. Of like, of, you know, uh, like a city in Washington or something. <laughs> right. Like, like being no. the mayor of New York is much harder than being the governor of Alaska. <laughs> totally. I haven't done either of those things. Yeah. But just uh, I'm pretty sure. Just from having lived <laughs> in one of those places. It's like it's probably harder. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> there's going to be uh, expect <laughs> politics talk in this episode. Yeah. I mean, it's going to happen. It's going to be very And politics. you know what? It's, I I promise it won't be our, like, personal political, like, agenda or whatever, but, like, we're going to pretty casually probably talk about politics. Yeah, I mean, you gotta probably. Yeah. Although, weirdly, with the non-America guy, probably more. Mm, sweet. Just because no one cares about Will Henry Harrison. Sure. Like, he... I mean, he, he, didn't, he didn't have time to do a whole lot. His most outstanding achievement in life... Is dying. Uh, was like becoming president, which he died immediately <laughs> after attaining. So the only like, you know, scholars and historians and like BuzzFeed or whatever, they yeah. do lists of like presidents and like mm-hmm. who's the best, who's the worst, who had the weirdest beard or whatever. Yeah. They usually leave him out. Completely. Yeah. Like no one cares. Which is why we want to put a spotlight on him so you can hear about him today. <laughs> and his stupid death. Because, uh, like, really the only reason he's important or that anyone remembers him is for Constitution law history. Okay. Because before his death, there hadn't been a president die in office. Mm-hmm. He was only the ninth president. Right. So when he died, people were like, oh, the Constitution's actually really vague. On uh, what we're supposed to do? On uh, what we do. Uh, but I'll, I'll talk about that. So... Uh, he, he was the last president born British sub- subject, subject. He was briefly the governor of the Indiana Territories. He led forces, military force against Native Americans and Canada in the War of 1812. Casual. So, like, this is the stuff you're never going to hear ever because no one cares. Yeah. Like, no one cares. You're welcome. And it doesn't matter, like, at all. So he took the oath of office March 4th, 1841. 
It was cold and wet that day, Mm -hmm. you know, March. Classic. Uh, But he insisted on riding horseback to the event instead of in the carriage that they gave him. He's like, I want to be out in the rain. I want to be a cool boy. Right, because, like, he kind of ran as, like, this rugged westerner, Mm. uh, you know, old chipper canoe. And he's like, I got to make sure they think I'm still rugged and manly. It's like, that's very, like, Andrew Jackson of him. Yeah, to be like, he's like, I'm the I'm the people's man. I'm a populist. <laughs> I'm people. And he didn't, like, dress appropriately either. He didn't wear an overcoat. He didn't have a hat. Which, uh, you know, if you live in the Northeast, you guys know. It's March. You know, it's March right now. Yeah, you're outside. I mean, it's not March. It's February. It's, it's but bad. We're almost. It's cold. Yeah, it's not going to get supremely better. I mean, this, this part wasn't the polar vortex time, <laughs> but it's still freaking cold. Right. It's just like, don't... What do the you... Northeast still regularly has blizzards during the winter. Yeah, exactly. And March is barely spring. Uh, and what did he do once he got to the inauguration? He gives the longest inaugural address in American history. Really? No one's gone longer no since? One's, no one's gone longer. Whoa. Not, not even... Remotely recently. What a lame doofus. It was 8,445 words, and it took him almost two hours to read. Oh, my gosh. Dude, shut up. And that was after his friends had edited it down. It will never be longer because no <laughs> one would listen for that long. They're like, Will, that's too They'd long. They'd be like, you know what? You can't be president anymore. <laughs> you, you can't. It's... The first thing you did was so boring, I almost died. <sighs> you, And then you did die. <laughs> It was too long. I wish we had statistics on how many people died during his speech because it was just so long. (laughs) It's terrible. And they're so bored. For reference, the second longest uh, is President Taft Okay. uh, at 5,400-ish. That's, like, so much less. That's, like, close to half as long. Yeah, that's at least a third less. Right, and I think the average is kind of around 2,000 words. That's like, fair. Like somewhere between 1,600 and 3,000. That's like a few pages. Yeah, like uh, 8,000 is ridiculous. No, that's a, that's a novel. That's an, yeah. It's or like, like a novella. Like a novella. That's a short story. <laughs> that's like a children's, whole children's Stop. Book. You can't read the all of Harry Potter. <laughs> Don't do it Don't, to you're, us. You're going to spoil the ending. You're going to make me sad. Dumbledore dies. <gasps> and so do you. <laughs> That's, that's the spoiler for your life. Everyone <laughs> dies. Will, you Me- die. Memento mori. Uh, so March 26, three-ish weeks later, mm-hmm. Harrison becomes ill with a cold. Yeah. Uh, it's it's the, percep- the, the conception, I should say, misconception at the time, and kind of now that it's because he stood in the rain. Right. That he got the cold. But it's like three weeks later, mm-hmm. no symptoms, so it's yeah. probably not that. It's probably something else. Uh, I mean, it does show you, though, he makes bad decisions as far as, like, his health. And he's, like, way overworked. Everyone wants a spot in his cabinet. Right. Uh, so he's getting hounded all hours. Even the beginning of presidency is pretty stressful. It's, it's like, it's a lot of work. Yeah. And he is the, he was the oldest American president. That's not good. Until Reagan and now Trump. Mm. So it's like, he's old. Yeah. And he's frail. How old is Trump? Uh, I don't know. I've never cared enough to look anything I, up. He doesn't look like an age. <laughs> He's like, he looks like a color. 
He's 72. He's so old. What? (laughs) I was going to guess 60s. I know. He's 72. 72? That's so old. I mean, he's been president for a while, so he was 60-something when he became president. But still, that's old. That's old. That's why every time they're like, like, that's why I'm like, I'm not crapping on Bernie Sanders, but he's like 80? He's old. Like, he's so old. And he looks frail. (laughs) Like, if you looked at him wrong, he would just break he would shatter yeah no no comment on his like politics just like he's so old you know some people just look frail yeah <laughs> like <laughs> william henry harrison <laughs> yeah it's not good well it doesn't help all the treatments they tried on him as doctors i just um, learned though if you're orange then you don't look so old that's true you just you look timeless classic like a mummy <laughs> You've just been spray painted over. Yeah. An ageless orange. Smart. <laughs> the new color. Good to know. From Mattel. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why Mattel, toy company. It's like how old people get tans, you know? So or they like their, look hair, as old. their hair turns purple. Yeah. Because like their eyesight is different. And yeah. Because like they, they don't see the yellow. They don't see the yellow. Oh my gosh. <gasps> what? We're uncovering some mad truths, y'all. <laughs> so uh, William Henry Harrison, his doctors try opium. Castor oil, mm-hmm. leeches, oh. uh, leeches, and something called Virginia. It feels a little wheat. late for leeches. I'm gonna say, <laughs> little late, maybe a little 1800, late. 1800, like mid 1800s, 18 what 1841. That's feels a little late. Feels like a little late. Clearly, they're grasping at straws a bit. Yes. Uh, they also try Virginia snakeweed, a flower originally from. The uh, Indian subcontinent in East uh, Asia. Snake, we eat every day. (laughs) Uh, Consuming it is associated with... Poison. uh, Yeah, adverse effects like vomiting, diarrhea, dizziness, headache. It kills you. Anxiety and hypersensitivity. Grace! Why are you giving him this? (laughs) What were you trying to, like, purge everything out of it? Doctors are so good. Like... Regardless of what he had, losing a ton of body like water and just being abruptly. stressed out, that really helps when you're sick. What are you doing? You How know, it helps you? when you're sick to just like worry yourself to death. Yeah, get like someone's severe drug anxiety and like make them explode out their anus. Whoa. That's what you need yeah. to do. Dehydrate them, make them scared. <laughs> In 1841, suck out their blood and <laughs> then they'll be fine. That's fine. Uh, so he died nine days later. <laughs> yeah. He, like, he probably was... He made it worse. He was happy to go. He's like, please kill me. <laughs> please let it end. Anything but I don't want to be president. Oh, I don't care. It's terrible here. Uh, oh, my gosh. His main doctor, Thomas Miller, uh, diagnosed his cause of death as pneumonia of the lower lobe of the right lung. Ah. People are, like, still studying his notes and stuff. Mm-hmm. In 2014, some guys did an analysis, and they're uh, also looking at records of the White House and how their water supply was <laughs> downstream from public sewage oh, runoff. No. And they think it's more likely that he died of septic shock following, like, a blood GI tract infection. I mean. Kind of typhoid fever related. Yeah. Like you poisoned your president with poo water, with your poop, and that's him. That's 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 well, it. That's, that's it. <laughs> the end. Well, I guess then um, John Tyler, his vice president, yes, 
uh, came into power, and they're like, so is he just, like, an acting president, or is he, he really president? Like, what do we do with him? Right. Because he was also, he immediately was like, I'm going to veto all of the party's stuff, so they yeah. didn't like him either. Do it, Tyler. Uh, Remember when you told me Tyler wasn't a president's name? He doesn't sound like it. <laughs> I'm still I not. remember I was having that argument. I'm looking on at the air. Name. I'm looking at his name, John Tyler, and I don't really believe it. <laughs> I think this is a condition I have with any president who was a vice president first. first. Oh, okay. And, like, ascended. Because Cheshire and Arthur was, too. Yeah. Oh. That's his thing. That's I how know. you feel about Johnson? <laughs> when you lose a... I'm just, like, making up random words to make a sentence. Uh-huh. When you look at the graph of, like, different inaugural address lengths, mm-hmm. a few of them are just zero because there there is no inaugural address. Oh. They're... You know, their president dies. Because they're a replacement. Yeah, so they just are sworn in immediately. Right, they don't do that. Lyndon B. Johnson was just on the plane. Yep, and they're like, now you're president. Now you're president. He died. So he don't get a speech. So Article 2 of the Constitution, in case of the removal of the president from office or of his death, resignation, or inability to discharge the powers and duties of said office, the same shall devolve on the vice president, and the vice president shall act accordingly until the disability be removed or a president shall be elected. Right, because generally how I figured it was like president dies and then vice president just does the rest of the term and Mm -hmm. then we do regular elections. Right. Like and that's, not not like reelecting this guy because we didn't mm-hmm. elect him in the first place. We right. do it all out like caucus situation both yeah. sides. It's just like start fresh. Yeah, as if the president had like done his full you know possible term and then right. was done. But none of that's in the Constitution. Right. That's just what we do. Uh, that's the precedent which is set by Tyler because that's what they do. Right. A chief justice at the time he weighs in on. He's like, so he's not the president. But if we swear him in, then he becomes the president. He can serve out the rest of Harrison's term, mm-hmm. and then we'll just have a new election afterwards. It just makes it nice and tidy. Mm-hmm. You'll learn, um, you know, people in other countries about America that a lot of our rules are just we're like, uh-oh, what uh, do we do? <laughs> didn't plan for that one. And then someone smart-ish is like, hey, how about we do this? And then everyone afterwards goes, well, that's what we do. Yeah. Because they did that. It wasn't actually made an amendment until, what, 67? 1967? Yeah. Yeah. You know, when Kennedy dies. Yeah. They're like, maybe we should put this in writing. Maybe we should say <laughs> this happens every time. Oh, so this happened a few uh, times now. Just do it like official, like. Just write it down. So that's that loser. Um, and I don't, I don't know. What do we learn? Just like boil your water? Yeah, just don't be dumb. Just don't. Um, Whatever. Happy President's Day. <laughs> Happy President's <laughs> I like that you picked a president that, like, isn't that interesting. <laughs> like, in yeah. in mockery of the day. Like, you know what? There are cool presidents, and then there's William Henry Harrison. But, you know, He's there. they don't specify. It is President's Day. It's for all of them. All of them, including this one. Whether you're cool or whether you're a dumb loser. Uh, but I like how it kind of highlights the the weird working of the Constitution and the, I don't know, like the robustness of the system. It's like, that guy died. Uh-oh. Well, well uh-oh. It, it's very similar to, like, a lot of case law and how that works in America. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of times when there's, like, a situation that it's the first time that type of thing has ever happened, 
Um, right. However, the judge rules in that case or the jury or whatever. It becomes precedent. It becomes the precedent. Mm-hmm. So, like, the next time there's something weird like that again, people are like, well, in that case, this yeah. is what they did. So that's what we should do. We should call it Precedence Day. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's very weird in that way. Constitutional law joke. I actually had an argument with one of my teachers when I was in college, one of my professors, mm-hmm. um, who taught, like, my American government class because he asked us which branch of government was the most powerful and i guess he wanted us to say that it was um the legislative i think i mean ideally none of them right but he's like if one like they're supposed to be in balance but if we picked one that was going to be the most powerful which one would it be i mean it's judicial and he wanted us to say legislative and and i kept arguing that it was judicial and he kept telling me no and i kept saying it doesn't matter what like it doesn't matter how the house and the senate make laws Mm -hmm. Or if it gets signed into law, if the person at the end of the pro- like process is the Supreme Court who interprets the law. Right. And they do it sometimes where they go exactly against what the law says. And they just say, nope, I pick this. And they can decide if something is constitutional or not. Right. Like so they, they have... just decide if that law is fair or not by and, themselves. And their choices are the ones that have the most, like, the longest reach. And they're in power their entire life. Mm-hmm. It's different than all of the other ones where it's like, president, you can only be there in so long. Uh, if you're in the House or Senate, you have to keep getting elected. Mm-hmm. So, like, you have to be doing a certain thing to stay there for the rest of your life if you want to. Yeah. But they just stay unless they quit. <laughs> so it's <laughs> or, a little different. Or just die. Mm-hmm. Or murdered. Yeah. I uh, mean, that's die. Yeah, it's a different flavor of dye. But, um, yeah, we had a big argument about it. (laughs) That's great. I'm so proud of you for intelligently not backing down. Yeah, and I disagree with him to this day. So you didn't agree with me. You know that game that we we play on our phones, Nation States? Yeah. So, uh... You should explain how how it works. So it's kind of like um, a sim game. But you kind of, like, create a little fake country. Yes. And you can decide on, like, laws and, like, you can set it up a certain way. Like, do you want to start out with, like, a socialist government or do you want to start out with, like, a totalitarian government Mm -hmm. or, like, a theocracy? Yeah. Uh, And it's, you know, there's, like, leaderboards and, like, different scores you can Mm -hmm. get and... It's like just like nerdy fantasy football, but yeah, my country's in the top eighteen percent of trout fishing. <laughs> right, that's our main export. But, but they're all like fake trout. countries. Yeah, and it's just like fun, like history game that people. Yeah, like it's us a play fun, like <laughs> nerdy game to play if you like countries. But uh, Alexis and I have been playing it kind of off and on since college, and mm-hmm. I don't think ever once have we ever willingly made a democracy. No, because it's very difficult. It's boring. And it's boring. Like, who cares what those little digital people think? The whole point of playing Sims and playing nation states is that I want to be God and I want to be in charge. (laughs) Right. Because everyone thinks, like, you know, nobody—I don't think most people would proclaim that they want to be a dictator. Right. But everybody thinks they know best. When you get down to thinking about it, you're like— I don't trust anyone else, though. Yeah, like, I know what's the best thing to do. But I don't want to. So I should be in charge completely. So it it makes me just go, like, I am, like, so impressed with you whenever I see a democracy on, Uh like, a top leaderboard. Oh, sure. That's really hard. You had to work extra hard for that. That's hard mode. 
but and they, it's not fun. And it's not fun. You have to like be nice to people that don't exist. Right. And and, and to give you an idea of this too, like in that game, it also doesn't give you a lot of options a lot of the time. Yeah. Like I, it brings up like issues for your country. And I had one issue that it only gives you two options, both of which were bad. Mm-hmm. It was like there's children in the casinos. What do we do? And the one argument was like, we need to ban casinos entirely. Gambling's bad and it's evil, clearly. Yeah. And the second option was like, why can't kids gamble? Let's just let everyone gamble. And yeah. I was like, I mean, I guess gambling's illegal. I'm not going to let children gamble. Mm-hmm. But like, that's not what I wanted to do. Right. I wanted a third option, but it won't let you. They corner you they corner a lot you. of the time. Yeah. So it's like it would be extremely hard to do a democracy Mm -hmm. because, like, what do you do? I guess you let kids gamble in that case. Right. It's it's hard hard to say. But the guy I'm going to talk about is uh, he lives life like he's playing that game. (laughs) And he's a min maxer. He, like, found what he thought was the most, like, foolproof, logical plan to make a country do good. Mm -hmm. And he did it and didn't. Like, even stop to consider, like, the human cost at all. Oh, yeah. Uh, anyway. Oh, this... you, you asked before what mine is specifically. Oh, yeah. Uh, I have a corrupt dictatorship right now. <laughs> there you go. My civil rights is some. Mm. My economy is fair. I'm really bad at economy. Mm-hmm. And my political freedom is outlawed. Because, <laughs> so. like... Once you give them, uh, like, one right, they want all of them. Yeah. Can you look up mine? Like, am I, your, like, your friend or something? Um, I don't think I can look up yours. I think you'd have to do it. Okay. I don't know. Because I don't. Okay. I'm not sure. I went into They're it friends. trying to role play, like, a snotty uh, child emperor. Yeah. So mine's kind of, like, <laughs> I wanted to be, like, a living god. Yeah. Um. So yours is more theocracy based. Yeah. I think religion in mine is like almost non-existent, mm-hmm. which is funny because I'm religious. <laughs> yeah, but every time the religious people are like, "We need them to learn the Bible in school," I'm like, "No, no learning, no, no reading, no, no literacy. Stop, quit it. I don't want you to be able to read. Then you'll have ideas." Have you ever heard of Antonio de Oliveira Salazar? No. He uh, Antonio Banderas. Antonio Banderas. He's the min-maxer of states. He was Portuguese. He's the Portuguese president slash prime minister. Uh, but like in the way that like Mussolini was the prime minister. Yeah. You get me? Like we all know that it's fake. <laughs> it's kind of fake, and like parliament is only there to just be your puppet strings. Elected. You're elected. Oh, Mr. Stalin, the prime minister, the premier of Soviet Russia. We have some of that going on in Venezuela right now. Hey, guys. Hey, guys. Uh, I didn't, like, super double check. I think I've read it before. But I think he's one of the inspirations for Salazar Slytherin, at least in name. Mm, Okay. Uh, And he has very strong Slytherin Ravenclaw energies. Resourceful and, like, knowledge above all. Above humans. Above humans. (laughs) Yeah. That's fair. Most people in the Western Hemisphere, like, have no clue about any Portuguese history. Yeah, I know. I only know the Portuguese history that involves them coming to America. I should say, like, the Northwest Hemisphere, because they don't have an influence on this side until, like, you get to Brazil. Yeah. So, eh. It's like, anywhere north of that, it's like, who cares? They weren't a colonial power here, so it's like, they're not my, you're not my real dad. Yeah, we know France, we know England, we we know know Spain. Spain. 
Like, how many times have you seen Spanish subtitle options, and how many times have you seen Portuguese? Yeah, I never see Portuguese. Like, never. Yep. Because they, they aren't, they don't even go here. We don't, we don't have the opportunity to learn Portuguese in school. They don't <laughs> no. let you. Why would they? It's terrible. We don't have a lot of people in America who speak Portuguese, I don't think. And I don't mean, like, Portuguese is terrible. I mean, it's like, like, what country would you go to? Yeah. You have two options. I think they also had Angola and Mozambique. Yeah, so it's some four pla- countries, some places in Asia. Cool. Uh, so, but yeah, they're not really uh, like destination wedding countries. They're no, they're like like they were a very early exploration people mm-hmm. because they're right on that ocean, baby. Yeah. And so it was like kind of before people got serious about imperialism. And they gambled. It's when people are just kind of like poking around. Right. And then Spain was getting all up in it. And they're like, okay, we need to like settle this. You go, you get the top part, we'll get the bottom part. And then Spain found all the gold. And Portugal was like, this sucks. And they didn't know how much like of (laughs) that was over there. Mm -hmm. They didn't know a lot past Brazil anyway. And so they were like, that's a good deal. Terrible deal. All they got was like a huge rainforest that kills anything that steps into it. Great. So that sucks. But Salazar, he is, he's kind of the outlier dictator. What year is it? Uh, he's born in like 1889. Okay, and he dies in 74. Ooh, he is old. He's old, and he's in power for like 40 years of that. That sucks. He's an outlier because he lasts so long. He's like Fidel Castro. Uh, yeah, like just they, forever. They might just like be making clones of him. He was on the cover of Time magazine in the 40s, oh. and they called him the Dean of Dictators. Great. He's He seems to be tolerated more, probably just because he wasn't as bad as his neighbors. As, like, Mussolini and stuff. But, like, your neighbor's literally General Franco. So, uh, and yeah. you held three days of national mourning when Hitler died. Ugh. So. Really bad taste. And, like, Mussolini was your bestie. Yay. So. Dictators love being friends. They, all they have is each Except other. Except for Stalin. <laughs> he's different. He's communist. Yeah. He's and, different. I mean, he doesn't have, he doesn't like friends. He doesn't know. He killed He likes them. secret police. Secret police. He doesn't trust people. Um, but this guy was, uh, he's like a smart boy. Mm-hmm. He's very studious. And honestly, you can forgive a lot if you know how to balance a budget and, like, aren't openly genocidal at the same time. It's hard to be a dictator when you aren't smart. Yeah. You have to be charismatic and smart. You got to have something. Yeah. You got to reason people something. think you're cool. And he wasn't charismatic. He was— Or you uh, can just inherit it from your dad. Yeah. You can just, like, inherit it. Just, like, a whole bunch of money. I wonder who I'm talking about. Like a monarchy, probably. Hmm. You're talking about uh, the queen, probably? Queen. Yeah. yeah. Queen, uh, All queens. Elizabeth. Yeah. The second. Yeah. Or the first. All of them. <laughs> All of the queens. Except for Beyonce. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She had to work for it. She worked. Yeah. So his rule wasn't as gulaggy or gas chambery <laughs> as like other people. Sure. In Europe. It's amazing how much you can get away with when just like you're being compared to other people who are worse <laughs> than you. He he was same time. so fortunate to be living in Europe at that time because mm-hmm. like well it's not Nazis so it's okay which is also funny like because we were talking about Napoleon too mm-hmm. right and I was because you were saying like 
there's, like, some good consequences from what this guy does. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, like, Napoleon. Like, Napoleon does a lot of good things on accident. He doesn't really care about. <laughs> right. Um, but it's like Napoleon at the time is seen as, like, a really bad dude, even though he's being pretty nice mm-hmm. to, like, pretty much everybody right. at, that he's, like, conquering. It's just that uh, no one else is doing anything. Yeah. Everybody right. else is just staying in their lane. Yeah. So they're like, like hey, stop it. You get out of your lane. People are like, ah, oh, don't. Right, but he's, like, comparatively to, like, these guys, he's not bad. Mm-hmm. But, like, if you surround yourself with Hitlers and Stalins and Mussolinis, you can do a lot and not be that bad. And I should say he was pretty bad, but he just wasn't that bad to, like, Europeans. Okay. He was bad to, like, the blacks mm-hmm. in all the colonies. Yeah. And Angola and, and secretly very bad to his citizens, who he didn't care about. He yeah. did have secret police, but they weren't as openly bloodthirsty. That's the thing. You're also allowed to be pretty bad to your own people yeah. as long as it's yours. Right, because, like, it's just your people. You own, nobody's, nobody cares. Just don't, like, invade Spain. Everyone's worried fine. about their own people. And it's fine. Uh, but he thought, he thought fascism and communism were both pretty stupid. Hmm. He, he didn't. Fascinating. He didn't like communism. Uh, he, he disliked it more. And he was friend because he was friends with all the fascists. Yeah, but he was such a good Catholic boy that he could never get behind it. Okay, because uh, like, like he called Mussolini's Italy pagan. Ah, uh, he wasn't it's, into yeah. it. It's and it's very material or not material, uh, like militaristic. I mean, he was too. He spent mm-hmm. like forty percent of the budget on the military, right? But it's all like for God, yes, and like nations. Ah, theocratic dictatorship. I think like Fun. authoritarian monastery is kind of the aesthetic he's okay. going for for okay. Portugal. He called his regime Estado Novo, the new state, oh. and uh, he was very frank about it as well. I have a quote from him. Says now, obviously, our dictatorship is similar to the fascist dictatorship, and it's strengthening uh, of authority and the war, which it declares on certain democratic principles, in its nationalist character, in its maintenance of social order. It is different, however, in its methods of renovation. Oh, how nice! It's a different uh, flavor, flavor, style. But he just like he don't care. He's like, yeah, it is. Yeah, it's a dictatorship. Yeah, it's a dictatorship. It's fine. Uh, of his own people. They like it. Yeah. He says the Portuguese must be treated as children. Too much, too often would spoil them. Uh, and, you know, it led to Port- Portugal being the huge European power it is today. <laughs> yeah. Everyone knows about him and Portugal. Yeah. Unsurprisingly, he was a big fan of literal readings of Machiavelli. Mm. No dash of salt. No salt on the rim. No salt on the side. No flavor whatsoever. I want to let you guys know, if you haven't read any Machiavelli, um, that there's a large speculation among most historians who know, like, anything about him that it's probably a joke. That it's probably trying to appeal to someone so he can get a job Mm -hmm. uh, and be, like, stand out by being so ridiculous right. that people pay attention. It's like licking boots and also making fun of people at the same time. Yeah, with the idea that you'll get a job and then you're going to do what you want to do instead of what you promised. Mm-hmm. It's like when you run for Congress, you tell them you're going to do a whole bunch of stuff and then you go, psych, and then you just do whatever you want because yeah. you're elected, so too bad. You're in office now. Six years of this. Hope you like it. <laughs> no salt. Yeah. Uh yeah, so he he's so reading it literally. He's, he's is a literal rough, a literal reader of Machiavelli. Yeah, he uh, he has the admiration of a 
Oh, such a diverse range of characters. The rich conservatives in his own country, the landowners, Mm -hmm. uh, bankers, industrialists. Great. Foreign fascists, obviously, you know. Mm -hmm. A lot of them. The fascist Germans, fascist Italians, fascist uh, Spanish. He's a great guy. Uh, the white supremacist leaders in Africa. Mm, good. You know, as long as yeah. they're like, whites, whites are right. And he's like, good. Great. Good for you. Portuguese people are pretty white. Uh, and that's notable because uh, of their substantial presence in Africa, like we said, Mozambique and Angola, mm-hmm. which uh, there's going to be a, a war of liberation in those countries, also called the Overseas War, also called um, Portuguese Colonial Wars. Okay. Uh, which is going to be a huge burden on the budget and mm-hmm. is eventually going to lead to the Carnation Revolution in Lisbon. Okay. Which is a non-bloody revolution that overthrows the new state. Oh, nice. In, you know, the 70s. Good for you. So all of that, all that racism he got, it's going to come back. Mm-hmm. When those countries are like, no, we're done. Goodbye. And the Portuguese are like, we're done. Yeah. We're done with this. Uh, he had British and U.S. fans as well. Harry S. Truman's Secretary of State was a big fan. Mm. He called him a remarkable man, the nearest approach in our time to Plato's philosopher king. Great. People got such a hard-on for this guy. That's so embarrassing. He also censored the press, Great. Uh, got rid of unions. I already mentioned he spent like almost half the budget on military uh-huh. exploits. He had a secret police. Uh, and he also outlawed strikes, <laughs> saying, strikes are a crime. We are obliged to handle this matter with extreme harshness. I would like that response to outlawing strikes to be that everyone goes on strike. <laughs> no, strikes are a crime. Yeah, we'll all go to jail and you can take care of us and feed us. <laughs> You're never coming back alive. Deal with it. Yeah. Yeah, your whole country is dead now. You're welcome. Uh, on top of that. Uh, maybe most importantly, in a way, mm. he kept the nine-ish million people in his country poor and illiterate. Great. Like, really kept him down. In 1967, <sighs> Portugal had the lowest per capita income in Western Europe at $420. Whoa. Uh, for comparison, that same year, France's uh, GDP per income was uh, about two thousand dollars. Oh my gosh! Italy's was fifteen hundred. Switzerland's like three thousand. Italy's at fifteen hundred, and they're at four hundred. Yeah. Oh no. I've seen uh, estimates as high as five hundred. Wow. <laughs> like I a almost third of Italy. I almost think people in Brazil have a higher GDP than at that point. Yeah, or a higher Probably. per capita income. That's. I mean, that's extremely low. And you said it was the lowest in all of Europe? Uh, all in Western Europe. I don't okay. know exactly where they're making the cutoff. Like, right. Eastern Germany might not count. Because or... I was going to say, like, if they're if they're beating Eastern Europe in lowest, <laughs> then I'm scared for them. Uh, and, like, they might be. Not all of it, right. but who knows. But they're not including it, so it's hard to say. It is intentional, though. He's doing it intentionally. Yes. At the end of the regime, like, 74... They have maybe a 60% literacy rate. Oh, my gosh. Like a third of the country can't read. Only 20 to 30% had a primary education. Only 3% had completed secondary or high school level. Three? 3%. Oh, my gosh. And 0.6% had a college education. Oh. So that said, let's talk more about Salazar because he has a doctorate. Like, it's so... (laughs) It's all calculated. It's so bad because it's like, it's, 
it's so amazingly selfish mm-hmm. and not actually that helpful to you. Because, like, at some point you're undermining your own progress. Right. Like, this, it's going to make, like, it's going to stop your country from progressing entirely, which mm-hmm. also doesn't work for you. But I guess it's that thing where, like, he's like, I'm not going to live that long. Right. Whatever. Is, I'll die and it's fine. He's just doing his game session and people can just, like, deal with it. That's so, like... This is like ultra conservative economics man. I don't feel like I've ever heard of a dictator who is purposefully destroying his own country, like ruining it for the future. When they, uh, like when news reporters and like everyone got into the country during the Carnation Revolution, yeah, they found like huge bunkers full of books that he had been hoarding, oh my like trying to keep them away from the masses. I just because like normal dictators, you know. Mm-hmm. Usually, they they want to be, like, the beginning of the, like, great time in their country. Right. So they're usually doing, like, the opposite of this. Like, they're doing bad things, like they, but they're yeah. not squashing everyone. They're still, like, burning a lot of books, but not all the books. And, they're, and, like, obviously there's some people, poor people, stupid people they don't care about. But they've got, like, an elect group of people who mm-hmm. they're bolstering up as much as possible right. so that their legacy will carry on when they die. He is doing that. Like I said, the rich families, sure. the landowners, the industrialists, the people that are, in his mind, like, powering the economy, yeah. those people he does give preference to. But it, But it's still weird to me that, like, Normally, you want your—especially in Europe, I want to say—you want your country to be competing with other countries Mm -hmm. for how well you can do. Right. And he's not doing that at all. He's doing the opposite almost. (laughs) He's trying to compete, like, who can be the crappiest. Right. And uh, he still isn't, somehow. It's the weirdest weirdest form of, like, nationalism that I've ever heard of. It's like he doesn't care at all, like, the comparisons. He's like, I'm just going to worry about us and me. Yeah, I mean, no one's going to compare him disfavorably when, you know, Nazi Germany is happening. Yeah. Although he is, like, before that, you know. he Is Portugal involved in World War II? They are neutral. Okay. Not not as famously as Switzerland. Yeah. Um, They have an ancient traditional alliance with England. Okay. Uh, so England kind of leaned on them, so they got paid handsomely to let the Allies use a couple of their islands for naval bases. Sure. Uh, but, but they're not fighting. They're not fighting, but they let, like, Axis and Ally spies, like, come on in. Yeah, they're using both of them. Okay. Does I, yeah, I don't remember them being involved in any battles I've ever right. heard of. That's they're why I was involved. like, I feel like they're not there. <laughs> they're not there, but, like, Spanish Civil War... Um, yeah. Generalissimo Franco comes to power. Mm-hmm. He openly supports the fascists. Sure. He recognizes their government. He's like, keep going, brah. Great. Doing good. I mean, yeah, if you have a tumor of a country attached to you, <laughs> it's best if they kind of suck, huh? Yeah. And, like, you know, they're at least So not, they don't hurt you. They don't hurt you. You need to be at least better than that country. Yep. So his background, he was born in April 1889, mm-hmm. a Taurus. <laughs> Great. <laughs> He's, uh, his parents were uh, good Catholic peasants, but they had enough resources to send him and his sisters to school. Right. Uh, seminary, he started priesthood training, but in his teens, he decided priesthood wasn't for him. He was more interested in education. Mm, yeah. I know. Like, it's so... like Education. <laughs> education. Really important. He's so devoted to work. He's like that, that kid when you're growing up who's, like, really smart, 
uh, and quiet, but whenever you talk to them, you're kind of unsettled. Like, they're uh-huh. too intense. Yeah. Uh, like, there's a story about him, like, when he's in power as an adult. One of his ministers comes in for an interview, and he's not wearing a hat, which is, like, not important. Whatever. Uh, but Salazar stands up, and he, he puts—he takes off his hat, and he puts it on the man. Mm-hmm. And he says, ministers look better when they wear hats. And then he just left. Okay. And then the minister was, like, terrified and wore a hat for the rest of his life, I Of course I he did. So I, I don't know what that means, but I'm frightened. But he might take off my head if I don't wear this hat. <laughs> it sounds like a threat, maybe? A hat threat? Uh, so Salazar earned a degree in economics, and he was smart enough that the uh, university hired him to be an educator. Right. He became full professor in 1918. I can't believe he was a teacher, and then he's specifically trying not to educate people. Not just a teacher, a full professor <sighs> who, uh, by 1918, had two monographs under his belt, one on agriculture and one on the gold standard, and he also threw in a doctorate of law that same year. Of course. He is super educated. He's very, very smart. Uh, He dips his toe into politics, helping to form the Catholic Center Party, one of three centrists elected to the Portuguese parliament, which was new at the time, I should add. Right. Like, they overthrew their last king while he was, like, in college. Mm -hmm. So it's new. Everything kind of has a veneer of chaos to it. Yeah. And that's the best time when the government is a new baby to sweep in and be a dictator. Right. Maximilian Robespierre. (laughs) Uh, But he hates the chaos. He thinks it's such a waste. Of course he does, because he's like, we need to be organized and I'll do it. He thinks... uh, Parliamentary debates, especially, are overly flowery and a waste of time and resources. Yeah, just get rid of that parliament, And passion, and just completely futile. After one session, he quits and goes back to teaching. Wow. He's like, this is so stupid, I'm not even going to be involved in it. Mm. But in 1926, 1926, the military overthrows the current government, Mm -hmm. and they ask Salazar to be the head of the Ministry of Finance. Nope. Uh, He's like... (sighs) Can I run it however I want, like carte blanche? And they're like, no. No? (laughs) What? Who do you think you are? Pull some Hamilton bull balls? No. No. You can't can't just, like, do everything you want, even though you are, like, a really famous professor or whatever. Mm -hmm. No. No. So he's like, fine. And he goes back to teaching again. (laughs) I only want to do it if I can be the dictator. (laughs) Exactly. Two years later. I won't help you. Two years later, mm-hmm. uh, General Carmona rigged the election and be, becomes president. Of course. Uh, and he does agree to let Salazar have a free hand in the markets. He makes huge cuts to public spending, increases taxes, and the, bu- the budget is balanced within a year. I mean, good for you, I guess, <laughs> by the- taxing your people to death. <laughs> the first time... Uh, their economy hasn't been deeply effed since 1910. I mean, there that's the thing. Like, there so, are... Like, basically since the monarchy fell. This yeah. is the first time it's been balanced. I mean, you know, that's the thing, too, like, about Stalin. It's like, mm-hmm. what he's doing, his five-year plans are not cool. They're right. not good. They're terrible to his people. <laughs> they bad. do catch them up a lot. 
Yeah. They are decades behind, and it gets them caught up by decades. But gosh, the cost. Yes, exactly. Oh, like, the cost. And and same with this. Like, obviously, it's not the same. But, like, once again, he is just, like, bankrupting his own people so that his country is not in debt. Exactly. It's and, like, and if you, you don't care about people, you can have a really smooth running country. Right. But, I mean, for a bit. For and a then bit. it's going to crash. Like, that's why people don't do that with their governments right now. Yeah. Like, they could tax people harder, but they know that won't be good for their economy in the long run. Mm-hmm. So they don't do it. Yeah. Also, yeah, no public spending. But so. he legitimately does not care about the long run in any way. I don't think so. Like, he's he, the, like, least... He's very, like, theoretical-based. Like, in theory, this works, so do it. Yeah, he's the least patriotic dictator I've ever heard of. Yeah. It's so bizarre. It is, it is very, like, because fascism usually has that, like, that fervor yes. of obsession with itself. Right. Uh, but he's he's not. He's where everything of fascism is, um, like, an increasing of something, like, you know, increased nationalism, increased, like, racism. He's, like, very negative. He's, like, a void. Yeah. Everything that he's about just kind of gets sucked in. He's, like, not to diagnose him. He's <laughs> such a sociopath. He doesn't care about any of these people at all. No. Like, not he even He only cares bit. about doing what he wants to do because he thinks he's right and he wants to prove it. And he appreciates people who can further that, but, like, in an economic sense. Yes. It's very telling that he points out, like, people with money and land, bankers, and uh-huh. industrialists. He's like people who can help with his vision, people who can like keep the economy running and nothing else. So dark. There's two ways you can rule a government without being technically in charge. Mm-hmm. One of them's the military, and the other one is by holding the purse strings. Yeah, which he do, and he holds it like so strong, and he never lets go that like he's not technically the president of Portugal. He is the. Uh, I think he's still the Minister of Finance at this point. Mm-hmm. He wears a lot of hats. Yeah. He eventually becomes Prime Minister. And, uh, like, stays that way forever. Yeah. Because he, like, does know how to balance a budget. And then, uh, you know, at some point, secret police get involved, and it's like, what do you do then? Yeah. Once, then you're just Once he has the control over both, there we go. He's in control. That's how it be. He becomes, uh... Yeah, he becomes prime minister in 1932, mm-hmm. drafting a constitution for his Estado Novo. Yay. And it begins. Great. <sighs> Always good when your new leader wants to create a whole new state. <laughs> oh, the gosh. old one is bad, so he, we're just going to start a new one. Here's a, here's another like thing. It's like, gosh, you're like a you are like a true like, slimy guy, yeah. in a way. Because <laughs> uh, the Spanish Civil War happens. He supports Franco, and it's, like, like 1938-ish. That's the Spanish Civil War. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he sees this, and he's like, I support you, but I don't want that to happen here. Yep. So he starts basically like a Hitler youth of Portugal. Oh, cool. And he starts indoctrinating uh, youth in, like, military tactics and loyalty to the state. Great. Uh, and he sets up, like, communist seeking legions so that when people are thinking about going against his government, he has not only the military, but, like, all these other organizations that can stamp it down. Yeah. He's, like, he's planning. He saw them coming. Mm-hmm. And he's, like, oh, no. He's seeing the rest of Europe, and he taking notes. Right before, yeah, there was 
there was rumblings of dissent before right. World War II in Lisbon. He's like, hell no. Nah. Hell no. Nah. No. Oh, gosh. There, there was a lot of pressure after the war to be more democratic. Yeah. Uh, the allies, because, like, they're allies with England. They were neutral during the war. Mm-hmm. But people, like, see him. Yeah. They're like, we, we like, see what you're well, doing. And now that they, we've taken care of the major problems, yeah. Europe's taking a glance around real quick just to see if anybody else is doing right. something. Right. England's, like, looking over, like, hey, we noticed you're, you have, like, secret police. We noticed you've got a lot of things in common with the people we just shut you, down. Uh, don't let your uh, press say anything mm-hmm. and your people are like not doing good yeah so he okay. he sees that and he's like whatever and I'm he busy he allows opposition to run for office obviously none of them ever get elected of course not like the the one time one of the movements starts gaining steam he labels them communist sympathizers and has them outlawed yeah there's like you guys are so deep in it now. There's no backing out. So it's casual. it's like too late. He he's, <sighs> he's offered the presidency uh, when uh, President General Carmona dies mm-hmm. in 1951, but he turns it down. Mm. He says uh, he doesn't have the moral nor possibly the physical strength to start a new life in a new office. So he's just the prime minister. Sure, he's doing the. The Putin thing, where it's like, it doesn't actually matter yeah. what his role is called. Right. Everyone knows he's... I'm still in charge. <laughs> Everyone knows he's in charge. So whatever. And then the colonies start acting up. We, we were talking about Africa, uh, and so he just, like, bombs them. He's right. like, I don't have time for this. And just, like, the black people, mm-hmm. honestly, like, mm-hmm. the white ones are fine. Yeah. They've been in his pocket for a while. Uh, but it puts a strain on the budget, and as Professor Economics, he's like, that probably causes him stress. Yeah. Uh, that's but, what makes him worried. Nothing but, else. But he doesn't this. care about, surprisingly, he, he doesn't care about the budget. He says Portugal's rights in these territories, talking about Africa, uh-huh. uh, derive from discovery and from occupations of land that were mostly uninhabited. Yeah, sure. Yeah, like no one was ever there. Yeah, no. <laughs> no one Once was ever there. Them, no one was there. Oh, gosh. Uh, he says the the principle would only lead to an extension of chaos in Africa and the return to former states of backwardness that one might consider to have been surpassed. You're racist. So, uh, <laughs> you're racist and an actor. <laughs> um, I'm a cactus. I'm also impressed with his seeming lack of um, like narcissism. Yes. It's he, very strange. The, uh, like, even he never married. Yeah. Like, he was in love with, um, like, a boss's daughter at some point, but okay. she married someone else. He never married. He became, like, kind of like a, a priesthood monk role for himself, yeah. even though he wasn't in the priesthood. Right. He adopted two daughters, but it's like his sister took care of him most of right. the time. His house was connected to a little church, a little chapel. And it's like... Authoritarian monastery is pretty, like, that's his thing. Right. And I guess I'm assuming it's his, like, religious stuff that keeps him from being like, look how cool I am. I'm the best. You know, because you're supposed to be humble. Mm -hmm. But it is very odd. Because I I guess that's part of why he's probably not a patriot. 
like in the same way that other people are because usually it's like I want the country to be great but I want to have made it great it was me I want like right he doesn't have I want hundreds of years from now for people to look back and be like you know that Hitler he was great for Germany you know yeah it's like the the opposite like I, I get the feeling that even though he was pretty close with Hitler and Mussolini that yeah, he looked at them. And he's like, they're just not smart about it. Yeah, he's he's so clinical, mm-hmm. and he's like looking at them in like their grandiose nature, and he's like, yeah, cool. And then like you know, as soon as they leave, he's like, that's not gonna work. Oh man, what an idiot! You can only bomb the people that aren't like you if it's like on a different continent. Yeah, everybody knows. And then you invaded next door. Are you? insane right and especially because he's like we've had an we've had a relationship with england so long like i know how they're gonna react i know what they're gonna do (laughs) yeah and like they're connected to these other countries that are also gonna be mad yeah you gotta do it right he doesn't have time for that he's about min maxing his game and that does not involve other people it's so strange uh the but i just want to say even today i i get the feeling in portugal people view him with like mixed reactions sure because, like, he did, like, do a lot of work in, like, the infrastructure of the country because of all, like, the taxation and stuff. Yeah. It wasn't being put towards social causes as much. But, yeah. like, you know, built some bridges, built some roads, kept everyone illiterate. Mm-hmm. But, you know, this, that. I'm going to I'm gonna send you a, a video. I think it's from BBC. You okay. Know, someone interviewing, uh, like, revolutionaries during the Coronation Revolution. Yeah. Uh, and, uh... It is from an outsider's perspective. Sure. So, I mean, be prepared for that. And it's the 70s. Yeah. Uh, but everyone's like, it's really nice that we can just say what we want now and, like, think for ourselves. Yeah. How nice. <laughs> That's nice. Novel idea. But uh, for anyone who says that he was mostly benign, just remember, he was still very racist and terrible, but yeah. just to black people. And he's not like, yeah, he's not doing like concentration camps (laughs) like overtly uh yeah so you know basic imperialism the does he die in the revolution or that's what i was gonna get to because his uh his later years are entirely why i wanted to talk about him okay like entirely there's there's a coup d'etat in 74 that's the carnation revolution uh but salazar dies in 1970 okay so four years before that, and there's a guy who kind of takes over. Okay. It's those in-between years that I really want to talk about. He gives the that speech about Africa uh-huh. in 67. In 1968, he suffers a stroke. Okay. And it's like a bad one. Yeah. They're like, like, a, like oh. a half of face is paralyzed, brain's not working stroke. Yeah, like they, they're like, he's not going to pull through. Yeah. So just like get someone to take his place. They get a guy named Caetano. Takes up his duties. Okay. The thing is, he he does recover. Yeah. At least somewhat. But nobody tells him that he's been replaced. Oh. He still thinks he's running Portugal. Fascinating. Yeah. It's like, I've never thought about this. Just don't tell them. Yeah. You know, slip them little papers to sign. Sure. Every now and then. You know, let them give a little speech. Yeah. They're not in charge. Just let them think so. Just let them, that's all they want. That All they want is just to feel like they're doing something. It's pretty smart. Uh, it reminds me of, I had a science teacher in middle school 
who he had a like a young kid who just idolized him and he sees that his dad drinks you know soda out of a can he's like man i want to i want to be like yeah. dad uh, but he didn't want his son to have like lots of sugary drinks. Right. So he took an empty one. He fills it with water. Right. And he gives it to him. And now the kid's like, no, I'm just like an adult. Yeah. And I'm like, dad. It's like, no, he just thinks he is. Yeah. It's. It's not the same. It's so brilliant. <laughs> we need to do this with like everyone. Every dictator. I'd, it'd be a lot harder now because everything's, you know, connected and online yeah, and digital. Yeah. But I think if we really could like if we wanted to we yeah. could we could get it done just like just make them think they're running it's a very, country yeah very subtle it's so subtle and kind of like great first we have to make them have strokes and then <laughs> they'll be so disoriented hit them with an ice pick it's fine <laughs> oh trotsky oh my gosh but the coolest thing just like just don't tell. And then he dies, and like he he still sure. thinks he's in charge. He was like, "I was amazing, man. I was. Time. I I'm still great. I'm still running this country on my deathbed." It's like, no, you haven't been running the country for like years. And then the the guy who replaces him, uh, I think he was like kind of an understudy, but he's like not as good at anything. Yeah. Uh, and the their revolution is bloodless. Right. So it's like, like stop it. And they're like, uh, okay, okay. It's like good for you. No one has the commitment that that guy did. Yeah, they're all just like once once they see people gathering, they're like, I don't want to die. I'm um, out. I'm not about this. And I mean, that's probably a direct correlation to just how he was doing it because he he wasn't like convincing people of an agenda. It wasn't like a cult of personality. No, everyone's like, yeah, we should just change. So none of those people have loyalty to the idea. Mm-hmm. They only like only were there with him. And so then as soon as like the tides are changing. They've learned from him that you go with it. Right. So they're like, no, okay. Sure. It's over. Yeah, it's kind of a bummer living like this anyway. Yeah, it wasn't fun. We want to have, like, parties again. It'd be cool. <laughs> if we could be happy. <laughs> Not be run by a, like, stoic professor guy. Right. Who uh, thinks people are pawns. Like, the whole world's a big chess game. Right. See, it's funny because when you talk about him, it's it's hilarious to me in some ways or just like weird, I guess, that like what you're talking about Napoleon, like that people in France about Napoleon have like weird mixed feelings about him. Yeah. And that I find very strange because I'm like, he did almost nothing but good for you. Mm-hmm. And I understand it's not cool to invade your neighbors anymore. Sure. But um, at the time, all like he's not only like doing that, but also like. Him doing that and that just like him existing is yeah. making those countries lose their monarchies, which is a good thing. Yeah. So it's like I a don't net, know. It's like a net gain. Yeah, and it like it doesn't really do anything that bad for France either. It's like they were having a very bad time in the French Revolution, uh, you know, the multiple ones, and then <laughs> all of them, and, Ter- terrible revolution. And then he like really helps balance it out yeah and get back going and i know it's then a little dip again as far as like figuring out what we're doing like the monarchy comes back for a minute right and it's not cool but i don't know it seems like it's so much positive to negative that it's like it's strange to have mixed feelings about him whereas this guy i get it Mm because it's like he's really like 
It's like, this is really bad. And, like, the, even the good you're doing is with bad consequences. Yeah. So I understand being like, I mean, he helped, I guess. I guess he helped. But, like, it's it wasn't like, good. It's 40 years of the government not being taken over, like, every five years. Right. I guess. And, like, it led to you having a bloodless revolution, and that's nice. Eventually. Compared yeah. to most, pe- like, most European countries. But. Also in the great. 70s, too. Like, mm-hmm. hippies. Kind of, kind of hippies. Yeah. I mean, even, even when, like, the Berlin Wall fell, it was, like, at that, it's, like, just just let it end. Yeah, we're done. You know? Yeah. Let it, just let it go, man. But, yeah, if you put Napoleon next to this guy, you're like, Napoleon's awesome. <laughs> like, he's a great dude. <laughs> to everybody. <laughs> but, you know. Anyway, so There's that's... different levels of dictators from different centuries. Yeah. Right. Like, he's not, you know, engaging in blood sports in an arena or something. No. He's just, like, just a little cold. A little. Just a little cold. Just entirely empty inside. <laughs> uh, you can cut this part out, absolutely, but it's kind of like when I'm reading about the stuff he thinks about, uh, like, the economy mm-hmm. and, like, who provides worth to a society. I'm like, this is very, like, Atlas Shrugged. Oh, is sure. Is this, like, the the end result, really, when you only value people that can produce things and right. have money? And when, like, people's worth is on what they can give you. Right. Because he really believed that uh, the power of nations wasn't produced by the common people. Yes. They're just, like, the the coal you throw in the fire. Right. And it's the the big important people that run stuff and they should be idolized. And that's what gives the little people strength (laughs) to keep getting burned. Like the little people are fuel and the like smart, intelligent, capable people are cogs that are actually making things go. Right. And so like without the little people, it doesn't go. But without the cogs, it literally can't work. And like those little people end up just being mostly like military at some point. Yeah. Because you're spending so much money on just... Your military? Yeah. And then way more than half because it gets to the point where even, like, the people back in Portugal are like, we're spending too much money mm-hmm. on killing black people. Right. Which, that you have to be spending, like, a lot of money for, you know, yeah. white Europeans to be like, that's, like, maybe too much money. That's not economically viable <laughs> it's, anymore. It's not sustainable to keep doing this. I know I brought him up a lot, but that's also one of my favorite things about Napoleon mm-hmm. is that, like... He doesn't care enough about his colonies to, like, be racist enough to do that. Yeah. It's like once once they're not making him money, he's like, get rid of it. I don't want it. <laughs> yeah. And not, like, Bye. sell it to someone. Like, just we're done there. Mm-hmm. And then they're just like, oh, cool. Can we be our own thing now? And he's like, whatever. <laughs> just don't talk to me. Right. Which is, like, why I was saying to you before, it's, like, it's weird um, with Napoleon specifically, that he causes so many revolutions just by doing that. Just by leaving. <laughs> yeah. Just by absconding. And just whenever I think about imperialism, like, I always think about French imperialism, and it's so interesting to me. Mm-hmm. It's fascinating. Just, like, comparatively to other European parties, how little they actually care. Yeah. And, like, not in a, uh, and not in a bad way. Like, because, like, the caring is the way that makes you kill a whole bunch of black people. Oh, yeah. That's and the not caring like is when the... you just leave. When you just leave. Yeah. Right. When you never even really cared about having it in the first place, and you only really started doing imperialism because other people were doing it, too. Right. Like. And you didn't want to get behind. Just let it go. 
Right. The French, like, oh, the French never go out and discover something specifically to take it and be like, this is mine now. They always go places that yeah. other people have already gone just to see if they can get a chunk so they're not left <laughs> exactly. out. Exactly. You just don't want to fall behind. Yeah. You know. And it's smart because they don't. They don't. But they never, they never care in the way that, like, England cares about India mm-hmm. or, like, this guy cares about Angola and Mozambique. For very obscure reasons like yeah like really is that like why does he care about this is that like it must be making him a lot of money yeah the french give those countries they have options and i, I think part <laughs> it's of amazing like, africa too is that it's probably making him money like a lot of natural sure. resources got a lot of stuff the like other countries that are in africa he doesn't want to give up land so that like they have more power structure mm-hmm. the angola mozambique there's like a a belt of colonial portuguese land across africa yeah so like you can't get through it but yeah. i don't know how much of a issue that is in the 70s probably not probably you not just anymore. go around that's like a that's very recently to be keeping hold of your colonial states. Right. I was like, um, we all were supposed to give those up after World War II. I thought but we, I guess you weren't involved. <laughs> I thought we were supposed to, I thought we agreed to give those up. But I guess if you weren't one of the fighting powers, maybe they didn't make you. You know? Right. Like, you you weren't involved in the treaties, so I guess you didn't have to slip through. Yeah. Which is fascinating compared to Switzerland, mm-hmm. who's just neutral because they just don't want to play. Right. Famously neutral. Yeah. They're always neutral. Their last war was against themselves in the <laughs> 1800s. They don't want to do it. Yeah. So, and, uh, uh, you know, they don't have to. Somebody, <laughs> sorry, I have to tell you just because yeah. I was looking at something the other day. It was like a history site. Mm-hmm. And on the top, they had like it said, like, latest news, and it was, like, a banner running, like, it's right. the news, <laughs> which I was like, what? <laughs> this is not how history news works. Yeah. Latest on history. And I'm like, what? what? It's not a lot. I guess archaeologists <laughs> dug something up. <laughs> latest in history. They found King Richard III or whatever again. Again. Um, in a different parking lot. <laughs> Half of him over here. <laughs> um, we found the hump. Now we're confused. They One of the questions that was scrolling up there was, like, how was Switzerland able to be neutral in World War II? Mountains. And I was like, is it really a question if I can answer it with one word? Is it? A singular word. Just Or word. I can explain it to you in a sentence. Uh, I can explain it with a, a clip from Star Wars. I can explain it to you with a PowerPoint I made for yeah. college, where that was one of my central points <laughs> about the geography of mountains and how it affects society. Yeah. Um, but it's, the mountains are too tall and it's hard to get over, so it's not worth it. Mountains are too tall. It's annoying. There, you want. Just go around. Do you want a whole sentence or just yeah. a word? <laughs> you are a scrolling tape. Maybe you want it short. Right. Like a hashtag. Hashtag mountains. Hashtag mountains. Hashtag Alps. Hashtag Alps. <laughs> there you go. I can tell you in four <laughs> letters. I like Alps. to see a tank go up those Alps. <laughs> Damn Alps and dough. the planes. I just, <laughs> I'm gonna tell you, the planes aren't good. Uh, and, and like uh, planes at the time are probably not good enough to like no. know that there's a mountain in front of them if the weather's not good. Yeah, there are clouds. Yeah, are we high enough? I don't know. Uh, we'll see. We'll find out. <laughs> Maybe. Pretty quick. <laughs> Terrible. That was really interesting. I didn't know nothing about that. Right. It was a good time. I'm like, the, I first learned about it watching an episode of QI. Okay. Uh, quite interesting. Yeah. And uh, Stephen Fry's like, 
So there's this guy who just like had a stroke and then they didn't tell him that he wasn't. <laughs> and they just pretended. They just like pretended he wasn't in charge anymore. I'll, I'll send you the uh, screen cap of the transcript. It oh, is, please. It is funny. They're very funny about it. <clears throat> but uh, happy President's Day. Woo, Presidents. Be uh, grateful or afraid or angry <laughs> about your president today. That's the thing about American presidents. People get all upset and worked up and are like, everything's terrible. It couldn't be worse. And then I'm like, if you could just take a look around for a minute at some other countries, I want you to know that U.S. presidents can only do so much. And almost everything they do is um, able to be undone. That is the the beauty of the system. It's the way our system is set up. It's very nice. As long as it Whereas, works, works the correct way, it will self-correct eventually. Of course. Whereas, and it hasn't always, but by now, we mostly have it down. Whereas, like, if you just look at countries even nearby, mm-hmm. um, having w- much worse problems than we are. So, The good news is that Portugal's... Pretty well recovered. Yeah, that's these good. Days. They're in the European Union. Mm-hmm. Literacy rates are, you know, in the 90s. Good. Right. And things are recoverable. Yeah. The problem isn't that things break. The problem is that they aren't fixed. But, like, I know that, you know, uh, a lot of people, and, and including not in just America, a lot of people right now, I think there is, because of, like, the way the media works, there is a very strong reaction to things Mm -hmm. to be very fatalistic about things yeah and to be like this is the worst time and we're dying and everything's horrible because that's what makes you pay attention Mm -hmm. you don't you're not interested if they're like this might happen or not it could be bad or not (laughs) will it happen who knows who knows right they want you to be they want to be like this is the worst and it's going to happen if you don't do something (laughs) panic panic but um you know if you want to look at like a real problematic presidential situation. Just like go read some news about Venezuela. Yeah, they're having right a, now. They're having a time. It's bad. That's not great. So uh, if you're in Venezuela, we're sorry, and I hope it fixes itself soon. <sighs> yeah, it seems like good steps are being made, even if it's dangerous right now uh, to make things better. Just um, keep swimming. But yeah, it just uh, I just want to encourage people to look at things in proper context. Mm-hmm. Like that you can't just look at the context of America in recent years of America. You need to look at it in like the whole context of America and then also within the world and what's happening everywhere. Yeah. Like my mom, you know, about um presidential things. My mom was like, "Do you think that other countries think that we're embarrassing? Like that they think we're really stupid right now?" Because of, like, elections and things. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I don't know, but I also know that I have friends in Australia who consistently have problems with their presidents. And they get so frustrated. (laughs) Yeah. And and they're like, really? I have to deal with this guy for four more years? I hate him. Like, I don't know how long their terms are. But, you know, for X amount of years. And, like, that's just a thing that happens. Yeah. It it is... Like, uh, I don't know, because, like, people tend to just turn inwards and, like, what about my problem? Mm-hmm. But it's nice to know, like, oh, other people also have issues. Right. And, and some so, people are not alone. much worse than yours. Yeah. And so it, it is it is a weirdly, I don't know, reassuring to be like, yes. okay, it's not just here. Right. 
And, okay. And I'm not trying to say that you can't feel bad about what's happening here, obviously. <laughs> yeah. I'm not like, it's worse for them, so stop whining. Yeah, it's not a, an, an award race. No, it's we're not, not trying to do a, a race of suffering here. But just, just so that you are like, uh, I don't know what the right word is. That like the the temperature in your mind is more temperate, if you know what I mean. Like mm-hmm. that you're not you're less reactionary to things, and you can like take a minute, take it in, and really like contemplate instead of react. Because like I don't know, everything right now is very reactionary. Yeah, and I feel like a lot of people just need to like take a breath, take a minute, think about it, and like probably it's not as bad as you think it is. Yeah, so happy President's Day. <laughs> happy President. Hope this was a really funny episode. Wee! Wow! I mean, nobody could say there wasn't history in this episode. <laughs> there was so much hella history. Oh, man, I learned so many things. I used the words gold standard. I'm so proud of you, Portugal, that you've gotten through your nastiness and you're on the other side. And you're like... Your Liberation Day, your Freedom Day, mm-hmm. which is like 25th of April, Yeah, I want to say. It's like their 4th of July. Yeah. Uh, fewer deaths than like some college protests. Good for you. Good job. Way to do it. That's, uh, that's not nothing. That's pretty good. No. We're proud of you. Especially because your dude just tried to really F you over. <laughs> it's like... Very bad but what look, he did. Even when they're trying to do it on purpose, it's recoverable. It's not... You know, permanent. Yeah. Nothing's permanent. Except for death. <laughs> Nothing gold can stay. <laughs> the gold standard. But guess what? Even the bad things go away. Bad things don't stay either. Yeah. Nothing stays. You will die. <laughs> Thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs> Happy President's Day. You will die. Eventually. Just like all the presidents. Just like that stupid man. Dummy. Who died after nine days, 30, yep. 30 days into his term. What a doofus. The guy who had a stroke and thought he was in charge. Yeah. What another doofus. What another doofus. Okay. Goodbye. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.